All right, so we are halfway through our Lenten series. I hope that you all have been enjoying this season of Lent. I hope that you have experienced some transformation. I know that I am experiencing a great deal of transformation, and the byproduct of that is that I'm losing a little bit of weight along the way, so that's, that's great. So we started out by talking about presence, which is one of our covenants. And Minister Shelley gave us a great sermon on presence. Then we moved to service. I preached that week about our commitment to service and how church grow and church can be effective when we all come together and we serve. Then last week, Jay gave a sermon on prayer. Uh, you maybe remember that very poignant point where he said, perhaps we need to start taking our finger off of the walkie-talkie and receiving uh, from God. This week, we move on to another one of our covenants. So for those of you who are members, you probably forgot that we actually have covenants, that you agreed to something when you became a member. So this week, I don't want anybody's wig to get twisted. And don't set your hair on fire, because we're talking about generosity. I gave you your trigger warning. Here's the scripture, Matthew 6, 24. Thank God there are no tomatoes. No one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus says, you cannot serve God and wealth. Also, there's a word called mammon in the Greek, which means money or any other things that are valuable that money can get you. Scripture says you cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, you cannot serve God and your Mercedes. You can't serve God and your BMW. You can't serve God in your fancy house. You can't serve God in your fancy church. You can't serve God in any other thing than committing to the service and, and appreciation and worship of God before everything else. Y'all know I don't say it often, but that's what the Bible say. <laughs> Please join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, give us all now the eye of the eagle so that we can see clearly into all of our hopes, joys, fears, and sorrows. Collectively weave our hands to the gospel plow and tie our tongues to truth. Let us hear from you, the still-speaking, ever-living God in our midst. This is our prayer in the name of the Anointed One. Amen. How many of you have ever heard of the Gauls? The G-A-U-L-S, the Gauls. Okay. The Gauls were the folks who lived in, occupied what today we know of as France and Belgium. They were there prior to the Roman Empire coming in. They were fierce and ferocious fighters. They pushed back the Roman Empire for a while, I think, Shane, right? They held them off for a long time. 
But eventually the Roman Empire moved in, the same empire that killed Jesus. I'm trying to connect some dots for you. The Roman Empire moved in, okay? And with them came the Christian religion and faith. So these Gallic folks, these warriors, eventually began to convert to Christianity. And legend has it, somewhat like an, somewhat like an urban legend, but legend has it that when they would get baptized, they would leave one arm up out of the water. So when they go down in the water, the arm, the arm would not be under the water. They did that because when they were in battle, they wanted to make sure that they could, we, the way we use say it today is, I'm half hood and half holy. Yeah, they wanted to make sure that when they got ready to slaughter somebody, they would do it with the arm that wasn't baptized. That's what we do with our purse and our finances. You've been baptized. You said what you needed to say. You've, I surrender all. I surrender all. Not this hundred in my pocket. All to Jesus. My blessed sin. Not that pay raise, but oh yes, I surrender all. We are just like those folks. We surrender it all. We trust God to do things for us, but we don't surrender the finances. Why is that? Why is that so difficult for us? And that's what I want to explore today. So I want to introduce you to this new idea. Well, it's not new. It's new to some of you, but it's called stewardship. Mark Allen Powell says, stewardship is about giving to God. It's about turning control of our lives over to God. It is about taking seriously the words we so easily pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We want God's will to be done in our lives, but we just don't want God to be involved in our finances. We don't want to pray about our budget. We don't want to pray about what we should give. We don't want to pray about how we should move through life. We want to give everything to God about us except our finances. And I could come at this from a different approach, the fundraising approach, because some churches do that. And this church does fundraise. But let me be clear, stewardship is not fundraising. Stewardship is a way of life. When it comes to stewardship, this is not just about your money. It's about your time. It's about your talent. It's about your treasure. It's about how you care for the earth because there's nowhere else for us to go. It's about how you treat your family. It's about how you are a steward of the gospel itself. So stewardship is not just about the money. It is about your entire way of life. The life that God has given you, can you declare that you have been a good steward of it? All of it. John H. 
McNaughton says, Christian stewardship has come to mean what we do, what we have, what we do with what we have all the time. I am not too familiar with that idea and way of being because that's not the kind of church that I grew up in. That has not, that was not my experience. Now, my grandparents, my grandmother's here, she can tell you, and my, my parents, we go to church. We never went to church empty-handed. I don't know if you grew up in a house like that, but you at least had a nickel or a quarter to put in the plate because this is about teaching you that when you come to church, you have something to contribute and you give because God has given to you. And so later, when I started going to larger churches, I started giving because I was giving out of guilt. Because, what's the other scripture? Because I chose not to preach on that one. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall humankind give into your bosom. So, for a while, I was like, I got I to gotta make it rain in the church house because if I don't do that, then I'm not, gonna get in, I'm not getting anything back. And for those of us who have church hurt around financial giving to churches, you know like I know, you gave 100 and you didn't see that 100 come back in two or three days. You know, like I know, when they said, don't worry about your light bill at your house. Just give to God all that you have today. And your lights were off by Friday. <laughs> right? So I want you to know this is not one of those kinds of sermons because this is about how do we give all that we are and all that we have to God and doing it, as we'll later learn, as an act of worship and not as an act of obligation. Marcus will tell you there were times he's looked at me like I was crazy because we were on, I was on the board of, of another church here, RMCC, some of you probably know it, Resurrection uh, Metropolitan Community Church. And at the time, our finances were just sh- starting to like get better. <laughs> and they launched a capital campaign. And I think we were giving something like $300 um, uh, a, a month, actually, at that time. And I came home and I said, there's going to be a capital campaign, and I think we should give $500 a month. He was like, is there nobody else on the board that can, <laughs> that can come? And, that, and for us at that time, and maybe it is for you right now, for us at that time, that was a significant amount of money. It was a fifth of our income at the time that we contributed to the church. And I gave it not out of obligation. I want you to track how things have changed. Not out of obligation. I gave it because I wanted to make sure my church was able to continue to operate and to provide a place where other LGBTQ people could come and feel safe and whole. So I gave at that point out of purpose. Now today, I have a whole new outlook 
on what it means to be a good steward. I guess on some level, obligation got the church through a long period of time, and it helped build a lot of great churches. And purpose is good, too, because you tap into something that you see in your church, and you're like, I want other people to experience that. But I think we have to go a step further. We, Martin Luther, the great reformer, there would be no Baptist churches, no Episcopal churches, there would be no Pentecostal church, there would, be, there would only still be the Catholic church if it wasn't for Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, <laughs> back in the 1500s. He wrote this, he is reported to have said that humans need to experience three conversions of the heart, of the mind, and of the purse. And I believe this to be true. I started out talking about this, but, and I don't mean this, I don't mean this in any way to cause any guilt or shame, because that's not what we are about. This is not about guilt or shame. And I've already said before during this period of Lent, we want to get 1% better every day. We want to try to be better. So have grace with yourself. Do not feel guilty or shame for what I'm about to say. We got a whole lot of prayers and needs and demands of God. When we're in trouble, we pray. When you're in a health crisis, you call me, you fill out a care form, you pray, you see the therapist. You, we do a whole lot of things saying, God help, God fix, God help. We should be glad that God is not like Janet Jackson and has never said, what have you done for me lately? You think about it. Think about it. Think of all that you want for yourself and all the prayers that you've offered. And if money is such a triggering thing, why is that? And why is it not that God gets God's right off the top before you do anything else? You ask God for the job. You ask God for the promotion. You ask God to fix the credit. You ask God for the house. You ask God for the car. Why don't you make it rain in God's house? but you make it rain in other places. That's not to make you feel shame, but it is worth us thinking about. We're always coming to God like this, and we're never, I say we, because I could be better too, we're never giving God fully what God deserves. God has given us life, has given us breath, has created this amazing and beautiful planet that sustains all the things there that exist. And I don't know about you or how, what kind of struggles you've been through or what kind of troubled waters that you've been over, but I know I can declare, oh Lord, how wonderful are your works in my life. 
I can declare that I couldn't have planned my life any better myself, that I stumbled into things, I fell over things, and yet again, God made things possible when I didn't know how to make it possible for myself. God worked it out when I could not work it out for myself. God brought people into my life when I could not have brought people into my life myself. And all of a sudden, when the pastor says, we need, oh, mm -mm. Mm -mm. not today, not today. This series is about building our confidence. And an area in which we build our confidence is in our finances. And maybe other churches don't want to talk about it. They only want to talk about you giving so we can get a bigger building or put more lights or get another smoke machine or whatever. I, I don't know. But here, I want us to understand that our giving, our generosity, our stewardship is about something much more than that. It's about us building our confidence in all areas of our life. You may have heard me say a couple of weeks ago that I've learned how to declare that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. All things work for the good of those who love the Lord. You may have heard me declare that. Many of you may be declaring that in your lives constantly, but you declare it when you're in the midst of conflict, you declare it when you're in the midst of pain, you declare it when you're in the midst of struggle, but you don't declare it when it comes to your finances. If you declared it when it came to your finances, then right off the top, you could give and you could keep it moving and say, all things work together for my good. I have done what I'm supposed to do. I have met my commitment. I've shown God that I believe in you and I'm grateful for all that you have done. If you truly wanna say, I have surrendered it all to God, I have given it all to God, Put a little on your tie. Show me what you're working with. Godfidence in abundance. I don't know all the metaphysics and how this works, but I'll tell you what we do in my house. We do our best to live out of a place of abundance. And we've been doing that even when we were broke. Remember, we'd go sit up at Donna Rocky on a Friday and we'd, we'd have margaritas like we were showing up something. <laughs> we were writing them big church texts to the church. Then we'd go to, to the wine bucket. I, some of y'all are probably too young to remember the wine, but wine bucket on West Alabama on a Friday night. We'd go over there to the wine bucket and we, we had like maybe, you know, by the time we left the wine bucket, all our bills were paid, but we had $20 left for the week. But we went to the wine bucket and you couldn't tell us we were not there like we were millionaires. Bring us the duck and the gouda and the manchego. In fact, just bring us the whole cheese board. We're just gonna, we're gonna have the whole cheese board and bring us the, which red is in season, right? What's, oh yes, we'll have that whole bottle. Bring us the whole bottle. And we leave, and I'd say, you know what, at least what we got to do, see, this is a trick, it's another, another way to do it, at least we got to feel 
what it's like to live at that level. And then we say, okay, let's make spaghetti for the week. You know? Right, and, we, and, and then we'd wait for my grandmother to be like, baby, I'm cooking. And so we'd go and we'd have, we'd have Sunday dinner with my grandmother. But what helped us is that we already knew, we were like, we, be, we believe there's more for us, that God has more for us, and that it's not about the money, but it's about how God is being expansive in us and how God is showing us how great God's works is. And we can lift our hands and say to God be the glory that we didn't do it ourselves, but we knew we had to feel like we had it. So we would go out and have that feeling experience. We'd go into Neiman's and look at stuff and be like, oh, I see that on you. Don't you see that on you? I see that on you. We'd go into Louis Vuitton on Fifth Avenue in New York, and I was standing next to Hillary Clinton one time, didn't even know it. And I told Marcus, I said, this whole collection is garbage. And Hillary was standing right next, next to me. But I knew, we know, we knew we had to be, we had to be our way into abundance. We had to live as though we were there. And now that's what we do. We, we live still in that same place. Now I'm surprised that I could just, he'll just be like, I'm ordering something on Amazon. And I'm like, okay, I'm ordering something on here. Okay, I'm doing something. Okay, you know, now I don't have to worry. I just get to the end of the month and I go, next month? slow it down. But we knew, we knew we had to feel at a certain level and live out of that abundance. And we knew being philanthropists, giving to our church, giving to causes, even when we were in a, that horrible apartment, one of those buy here, pay here, no credit, good credit, halfway, sideways, $99 for the first three months, don't, don't mind, don't mind the roaches. Oh, come on. Am I the only one that's been there? I came from somewhere. I came from somewhere. So I'm not up here just feeding you some stuff. I'm not, I wasn't even fully all that religious at that point. I just knew that God wanted more for us and I desired to have more as well. Not because I wanted the stuff. I wanted to see if I could do it. I wanted to see if God could do it and make it happen. So living in a place of abundance means that whatever the number is for you today, what is it that you can say, you know what? I'm going to commit to financially giving to my church. I've never committed to doing it every Sunday, but I'm going to commit to doing it Every time I get paid, maybe it's not 10%, but you know what? If I cut out one Starbucks a week, I know gas is high, but let's see. If I eat out one less time a month, that'll be how many dollars, and that's what I'm going to start with. So maybe you can't give it off the top. Maybe you have to back into it, but that is a place to start. I've said it before when I've had to preach these kind of sermons. When you want to do something, no matter how broke you are, you can raise your hand because I want to see. No matter how broke you are, when you want to do something, you do it, don't you? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. All over the building. When you want to do something, you figure it out how to do it. What would happen if we 
made our giving financially to the church a commitment, part of our act of worship. So let me tell you, I'm not making this up. This is not coming out of nowhere. I know the church has corrupted this whole practice and made it into something that it should not, should not be because some of y'all have been in these churches. The ancient Israelites, you probably remember the scriptures. They used to take what? They used to take the fatted calf. They used to take wheat. They used to take oil. They'd, come, they'd go to their worship service and they would lay it all on the altar and then they'd burn it up. Now, what if I told you to bring your money in here and lay it on the altar and I'm going to just burn it all up? Right, Shane's about to leave. Just bring, just bring it in. We don't, we don't need it to pay bills. We don't need to do anything. It is your act of worship. Just put it here and I'm going to burn it all up. But they did that as a sign that they were living out of a place of abundance and it was their act of worship and an expression of their faith. It is how they would, because they didn't really have money. All they had was their agrarian culture, their, their oil and their wheat and their fatted calf and their, not even pigs because they didn't eat pigs. I almost slipped up there, but that's all they had. And so they would bring it and just burn it up. Eventually they started figuring out, why don't we burn it and then feed the widow and the orphan and pay the pastor, make sure that they have something to eat. Eventually, that's what it became, but they used to bring their gifts and just, just do that. Today, we have it in our minds that it's about we got to keep the lights on at the church and we have to uh, you know, make sure the bills are paid and we want to make sure that we're giving to the church. And, and some churches, you know, they even, I need to make sure that I'm giving because if I'm not giving, I'm not going to get to talk to pastor. Some churches even say, you can't sing on a platform or preach until you've been at that church for six months. You have a tithe record that proves you gave and we need to see your, your income tax forms to make sure that you tithe. There's a church in this city that does that. So it has been, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. I don't know who said it, but yes, it, it exists. So what I want us to begin to see is that our financial giving, our giving of our time and our talent and our treasure, it's about an act of worship. It's about an expression of our faith. Yes, you've probably been at a church where there were greedy pastors and you have some heartburn and church hurt around that. Yes, you've probably been at a church where it was a derelict ministry and all they were concerned about was building their next mega sanctuary. Yes, you've probably been at a church where you had to put money in the plate because it was nothing but a country club church and everybody just gave because they wanted to protect the country club. That may have been where you have been, but guess what? Let me let you heal from your church hurt right now. It's okay that you gave in that church because it is your reasonable act of worship. They may not have done what they were supposed to do with it. They may not have acted right with it, but you did what you were supposed to do because it was your act of worship and your expression of faith. They may have messed over the money, but you just mess on right on over to another church. You don't have to stay there. But at this place, we want you to feel this is your act of worship. 
I don't want you to give because you want to keep the lights on. I don't want you to give just because you want a beautiful building. I want you to give because you are so grateful to God, not to me, not to Cindy, not to St. Peter, but so grateful to God for all that God has done for you. That it becomes your act of worship and your expression of faith. So free yourself from all the pain. Maybe your parents went through it at another church. Free yourself from that pain. You did what you were supposed to do. God will deal with them. I know we live in a modern society, and so I can't just leave it there because an act of worship, theologically and philosophically, I think you get it, but let me tell you what's in it for you even though it should not be what's in it for you. But I will tell you what's in it for you. St. Peter United has so many more things to do. I said some, a few things a couple, of weeks, a couple of weeks ago. We want to continue to be a strong witness in this city. Just this last week, I was able to have a great conversation with the Houston LGBTQ political caucus and the faith leaders of Greater Houston and able to get them to the table so that we can begin the discussion and build community so that we can get an equal rights ordinance back in the city of Houston. And I am unrelenting in these conversations. I will not allow our trans citizens and friends and family to be thrown under the bus or excluded from that equal rights ordinance. In every faith conversation I will be having with black ministers and other ministers of evangelical faith, I will continue to push for transgender protections and protections for all people, regardless of their race. And oh, and by the way, this is not just about people of color and the LGBTQ community. There are establishments in which white people can go into and get discriminated against. So this equal rights ordinance will protect all of us. And that is the witness of St. Peter United that will go forward in doing that work. When we talk about charity, you have seen all the great work that we have done and how we have committed things. My, Marcus, can you hold up that award? I just received it in the mail uh, this week, but that is an award from the AIDS Foundation of Houston because we were an agency partner with them this last year. When you talk about the work that we are doing and the great things that we're doing, this partnership is going to be amazing. In June, they will be here just about every Sunday in June doing AIDS testing or HIV testing. So if you have family or friends that need to get tested, bring them to church in June. And guess what? Whether they have HIV or not, they will walk away with medication that day. We are also setting up a pastoral care framework so you will be able to, in the time of trouble or if you need prayer or if you need someone to talk to, you will be able to submit a request and then you will be routed to one of our three congregational pastoral care ministers so that you can get supported. 
In addition to that, you are going to hear several announcements coming up really soon about mental health services. It is our hope and our prayer that we will have mental health services here on site. We are working out the details, but if you need mental health services, there'll be a group for you, and you may also be getting referred right over to a therapist that will be on site as well, too, after talking to your uh, pastoral care uh, minister or after having a conversation with me. We want to make sure that you are covered. So I'm excited about that. That's coming forward. We are also working on entrepreneurship and visioning workshops. Many of you want to go into business for yourself. Many of you want to figure out what needs to happen in your life and where you want to go. So Latreva and I are currently discerning how we're going to do that. But you can be prepared that there are going to be workshops to help you feel supported in finding your purpose, finding your vision, and figuring out how you can launch your business. We have also, I've also had conversations with uh, Joseph, and so we are looking at a legal aid clinic as well. We're going to bring that in. We're also looking at bringing in credit workshops, credit repair. We're bringing all of that in as well, too. And if that's not enough, we still have to worship on Sunday. <laughs> so if you want to know what's happening with your money, this is what's happening with your money. <laughs> but again, as an act of worship, and I, and I make this commitment to you, and Cindy makes this commitment to you. For those of you who have been around, you know we're all about missions and ministry, and we want to make this place a place of healing. You see there's a new roof on this building. There's a new roof on the other building. You see we took down the house that was there. We're, we're excited to get a park going. We have so many other things to do. So if you come from a church that had a perpetual building fund, I want you to notice things are happening to the building here. We're not just continuing to collect building money and nothing happened, okay? I want you to notice that things are actually taking shape and things are happening. And through all of this, please, please, please remember that stewardship is not just about your money. It's about your time, your talent, and your treasure. We need more people like Ryan who will step up and say, let's create these resources. We need more people like Latriva that will say, let's, let's create an opportunity for people to figure out their purpose. We need more people like Devony that says, let's figure out how the church can do mental health services. We need more people like Marsha that has said, I want to do a women's Bible study. And now she's like, I think I'm going to open it up to everybody. We need more, more, and more. So it's not just about your money. This is about us building the kingdom of God on earth. So I hope you will join me. I hope you hear my heart, and I hope you hear that I'm bought in as well, too. I give just like you give. I'm not only the pastor of this church, I'm also a voting member with voice. Amen? Amen. Please join me. Amen. Thank you. If you want to stand, you can. If you want to stay seated, you can. We just, I just want to take a moment to, to pray.
and to, to discern, for some of us to discern where we are. Let us pray. Gracious, gracious and loving God, thank you so much for, for this family of faith. Thank you so much for this place of belonging. We have found home. We have found purpose. We have found a place to serve. We've found a place to give. God, move on our hearts where you would like for us to give more, how we should give more. Help us to see our giving as an act of worship and an expression of our faith. That it's not just about obligation. It's not just about purpose. It's not just about what we get out, what we get for our money, but it is about our act of worship, an expression of our faith. God, I know that once we begin to buy in and to, to give and to support as an act of worship, then an abundance will begin to emerge, an overflow will begin to emerge, and we will be able to do more, to say more, to heal more, to reach more. God, you know my heart. I pray that you forgive me for all of my failings and my faults, but I rejoice that you have given us a board in this church that walks in integrity, I rejoice that you have placed checks and balances in place so that I don't get out of control. God, I thank you for our beloved St. Peter United Church of Christ. I pray that you will continue to show us how we can offer our whole selves and to be good stewards of all that we are and all who we are for the building of the kingdom of God. This is my prayer. In the name of Christ, amen.